0: Hi, it's Dan here for Dusty Discs Radio, and this is the podcast Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. Today, I'm very happy to have as my guest, the incomparable Susan Jacks. We'll be talking about music, travels, the business of music, the ups and downs of being a career entertainer, and we'll get some other insights as well from this world-class talent. So stick around for that and for a look inside the Canadian music scene from someone who has been there for more than half a century. Susan Jacks needs no introduction. She is an icon of the Canadian music scene and a living legend who is admired by everyone from her time with the Poppy Family and her subsequent solo career. So, thanks for joining me today, Susan. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you on the show and uh, just appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I usually, thank you. Usually ask right away how you're doing during the COVID shutdown because that's when we're recording these podcasts. Are you staying healthy and sane? Are you going crazy?
1: i'm actually okay i'm um you know i kind of miss going out and seeing music Yes, you see see my friends play and stuff so that's kind of tough yeah. um but you know i'm okay i'm i'm working on a book so uh, i you know I, I i i fill up my time and stuff i miss my family but yeah you know because of my my past health situations i'm they've asked me to um you know to keep kind of to myself yeah, so you, I do. You'd
0: be one of those people that needs to be careful, right? You've uh, obviously you've had some health issues in the past that were well known. That was that's not a secret, right? You've had the Right. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I've been very open about it, but I, I think it's because I really do try and push organ donation, and it's so important for for saving lives. It Saved mine, and yeah. and uh, yeah.
0: and you're you're in a better place now. I saw you. I saw you did a Fanny Kiefer show. I had seen that years ago when that came out, and and of course our mutual friend Don Adams, uh, he passed away now five years ago, and he had. Uh, I uh, yeah. know that was five years. It, ago.
1: That broke broke my heart. You know, yeah. he's such a great guy. Oh yeah. yeah. And, um,
0: well, that's what I saw you. That's the last time I saw you was there. Actually, I just looked at the picture. You and I were standing on the stage, and we got, we all got up and sang a song for Dawn at the end of that.
1: I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I do. That was, that was a kind of a neat time because I think that was the last time I saw Dawn, although I may have talked to on the phone, but
0: yeah. Yeah. You know. No, he was a good guy. No, he had, he had obviously the issue with the kidney failure and whatnot. So are you, are you okay with that? Are you doing okay with that now? I know you, your brother had given you a, a kidney. And...
1: Well, I, uh, four years ago, I kind of went through a very, are you ready for this?
0: Well, I just, I, you know, if you're comfortable talking about it, I think. It,
1: oh, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Actually, I'm more than fine because I made it through an episode. Well, in, in 2016, in about June, uh, well, it was a little earlier than that, a couple of months, my, my um, numbers, my they always, I get blood tests every month yeah. and they started to, to kind of go a little bit wonky and um, they had no idea why. And so I, I had had um, a kidney biopsy after my in 2010 after my transplant. Yeah. And there were weird things going on and they had no idea. Well, when my numbers started falling in t- again in 2016, they did another biopsy in about June and found out that I had this very extremely rare kidney disease. Hmm. And there were only 200 known cases in the world. Wow. And I thought, oh, am I special or what? (laughs) So, um, and it's called uh, monoclonal IgG3. But they know so little about it, basically nothing, but they knew I was going to lose my transplanted kidney.
0: Okay, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Yeah, and well, uh, they put me on these mega doses of... uh, prednisone which is an ugly drug it's kind of got its good side and its bad side Mm but uh, for me i i um, ended up because it all got really complicated after the biopsy they put me on these mega doses of prednisone about five days later i fell down my front steps and fractured my knee i know (laughs) so i mean crap so uh luckily my brother billy who donated his kidney to me the first time um was there he took me to the hospital and i ended i had fractured my knee and ended up being somewhat immobile over the next little while i mean i I could have some mobility but i was also going through a lot of other things i had no idea about the prednisone actually Sometimes it makes you eat a lot and you put a lot of weight on. Well, it did the opposite with me. And I could not force myself to eat anyway. So on my birthday in 2016, I ended up, I, I was, my legs were so painful that I couldn't touch them, especially my right <laughs> leg. So I went to the hospital and found out that I had blood clots which they thought I might – I was so prone to them anyway because of prednisone, because of, of all the drugs I was taking for anti-rejection drugs. So they said, well, we're going to keep you a few days. Well, it, it ended up being uh, longer than a few days, and I just kind of kept getting sicker and sicker, and I ended up with um, pneumonia, sepsis, um mm-hmm another some other infection and wow. uh, i mean it was just awful and then one night my body just stopped yeah and um so essentially i guess they had to jump start me <laughs> and i was on um in a coma for five days or yeah. six days w- w- whichever it was and um y- you know i i and and on life support
0: jeez
1: I know it was just absolutely amazing. I remember everything in the in the when I was in the coma as well. It was just yeah. very very strange. So when I woke up, I'm, I, I couldn't move. I I couldn't do anything, and I had to. I was in the hospital for th- three months. I had to go through a month of rehabilitation to walk. And just to use my arms and everything again, it was very strange. Yeah. But I came. I had no idea. But I came out of it with this attitude about life, and, and I've always been a, you know, pretty positive person. Um, um, but I came out of it with this attitude of uh, how lucky I was just to be alive, yeah. and um, kind of changed my life in, in a lot of ways so now i deal with things in in a whole different kind of way and um i'm just grateful to to be here
0: (laughs) well good for you and thanks thanks for sharing that because that that really is a heartfelt way to sort of say you know i'm I'm happy to be who i am where i am what i am and and that's the way it goes and you get what you get and i'm going to do the best i can and i mean that's inspirational to
1: oh well you know i feel so strongly about that and and uh uh, it keeps me going, you know, because it's been a yeah. little bit of a struggle getting getting um, past all that, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you've had you've had some challenge, and it's multiple challenges. It's not just uh, one thing, right? So,
1: well, no, it really it really was difficult. But, well, I, I say that, but you know, I'm the kind of person I handle everything day by day, and I'm always, yeah. always, I was. Always the perfect patient because every day I woke up and was so happy that I lived through all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, thank so, you. Well, I know I, I speak on behalf of myself and all the people who love you. That everyone's praying for you and loves you and, and wants oh, you to do well. So I, thank you. Yeah, no, I really I think
1: that. that is so much of what got me through. Too was all the support I I, I got from from people was so overwhelming and you know. All that yeah. karma, I think, just works its way through the...
0: Yeah, no, that's good. It, and, and people want what's best for you. And it's a nice feeling when you know that people do care and they want what's best for it you. So. Really
1: yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really yeah. is.
0: Good. Well, I was going to say, I, I met you the first time in, I don't know if you, you probably don't even remember this, but it was nineteen probably seventy eight. I was a teenager and my band was playing at Central Park in Burnaby. And we were doing a fundraiser for the Boy Scouts, I think it was. And oh. you were in a van. You drove up in a van. You had a couple security guys and stuff, and you were there. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it I was kind a real of, big deal. It,
1: I sort yeah. of do, um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's it, you know, I do remember, and I remember this thing about the Boy Scouts and, uh but details. You know, I'm I'm a little a little light on the details.
0: <laughs> well, it was a big deal for us because we were young guys. We were in a band and we were playing for this fundraiser for the Boy Scouts. And then they said, "Well, Susan Jackson is coming." Of course, all these young roosters are running around going, "Oh Aww. my God, is Susan Jackson here?" <laughs> not
1: so, that funny? Like, you know, in those days, I was not even aware of that.
0: Yeah. I was just so
1: not aware of it. I, I just, I was just, I did my music. I loved the music, did the thing, but I was never aware of all that. It, that's what, If I could go yeah. back, boy, I'll tell you what, I'd take <laughs> a.
0: <laughs> well, it was a nice thing for us that, you know, you were very nice. We got to visit for a little bit because we were in the band. We actually were going to try to get you up to sing with us and do Which Way you Going, Billy, or something with us. And, and it never did come about, but you were super nice to us and we got to talk and stuff. So we we really appreciated it.
1: Oh, that's, well, that's great.
0: Yeah. So I was a teenager at the time, and and of course you've been in the music business for more than fifty years, and I guess you started as a teenager too. I I usually ask people what their defining moment was, but it sounds like you just always sang, so it was, you didn't have a sort of a aha moment.
1: Well, uh, you know, um, I I have always sung. I, I always loved to sing from forever. You know, I mean, even when I was like super young, and I, my brothers would say "shut up" because they were watching cartoons. And no. I was just making too much noise. So um you know, no. yeah, but I always sang. I always sang. I would sing, I would go to the park and sing on the swings. Um yeah. because it was very and I loved the sound, the phasing sound that it made on the swings. <laughs> yeah. And um you know, I sang so- everywhere. I sang everywhere. So- I i in school, I remember, I didn't know this at the time, but I would sing in the gymnasium at lunchtime because I loved the sound of the reverb in the, in yes, the gym. Yeah. Very nice. and, and I was told years later, like not that many years ago, that some of, my, some of the kids from school would just gather at the door and just listen to me sing, but they didn't want to interrupt me. I had no I didn't like duh of course people could hear me but I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, but I just wailed during lunchtime cuz I thought I was all alone and just could just really funny. <laughs>
0: So when you know when I was going through your your catalog and and your your history, which I, I knew a lot of it anyways, but I learned a bunch of other things about you. But one of the things is you ended up you ended, uh, doing a TV show called Music Hop when you were like fifteen or something. How did that come about? I mean, mo- most people sing and goof around with playing and stuff, but you ended up landing some pretty substantial stuff really early in life.
1: Well, yeah, I was I was singing um, with a, uh, a band, and we would do like little dances you know, there were so many dances in those days and stuff. And I was only, you know, 15. And um, uh, they decided that they were going to, um, well, there there was this audition call for a new show called Music Hop. And it was for the young people in the area. Well, they decided they were going to audition because they wanted to be the house band now they didn't know and I didn't know at the time that the house band was already there it was the classics okay you you know and um the c Fun classics and 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 you know Howie Vickers and all these these people so but we went in and auditioned they wanted me but they didn't want the band that I felt so guilty about forever But I didn't even know that, and they had no idea how to get a hold of me. And they they finally hunted me down because they wanted me as a regular on the show. Oh, nice! Uh, isn't that that was kind of neat? So I went on that. And for me, we grew up. It, it, we were so poor, not even having food um, yeah. to eat and stuff like that, and 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 uh, wearing hand me downs. And you know, it, no. it was we were pretty poor and eight kids and all that kind of stuff so here i get and from
0: on- S- saskatoon right you came out from saskatoon
1: we did when i was nine yeah i was born in saskatoon when i was nine we moved out here you know and we lived in houses with no electricity and outhouses wow. and um and all that kind of stuff so you know at first and and it was uh, it was a little rough but Anyway, so here I get on this TV show and I had a chance to dress up and I had my hair done for the first time I'd ever have had it done. And I had clothes that were, you know, sp- special just for me and yeah. new. And, 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 right. and of course all I really, I mean, that was just kind of a, uh, a, side thing because I just thought how cool it was. I could just sing. And so I, I got on the show as a regular and I just loved it. And, oh, oh my gosh. And yeah. all these and, other singers, you know, that were on like Howie Vickers, who was fabulous. <laughs> and, you know,
0: uh, yeah. And for I, a fifteen-year-old, I mean, that must have the world must have been coming at you a hundred miles an hour at that point. You're a teenager, still in school, presumably.
1: I was, I was, and of course, you know, my teachers would get uh, upset with me because I, I was supposed to be an A student. Um, and when it was music, I just spent all my time just sort of. So I was, yeah. I was getting down to be like a. B minus C, they didn't like that very much. Yeah, and of course, in those days, um, uh, they thought that that getting into music was like, oh my God, you know, you're just—it's a horrible, horrible thing because you're just going downhill and you'll end up. You know, there there was no understanding of of, of a love for music or anything like that.
0: Yes, certainly. And ask what you're going to fall back on and what you're going to do for a living and how you're going to make money. And, and of course, I guess that's most people's story. But in your case, you had some real substance to what you were doing.
1: Well, I did. But it doesn't change the mind of, uh, you know, when you're a teacher and your your job is to make sure that that the kids are, are making something of themselves, and yeah. certainly music was not making something of
0: yourself. Yeah. So then that that led into the show "Let's Go," which I I had seen ep- episodes of that before, but that was of course mid sixties at that point, right? And and you were still Susan. Pesklovitz? is that how you pronounce? That's your exactly name? right. Yeah, I, I yeah. worked on it. I tried to get it. So, how did that show happen? Did that morph out of uh, the it, Music Hop show?
1: Yeah, it morphed out of uh, it, it, The name got changed to okay. to uh, to Let's Go. I guess it was a more when it first came on. It was called Music Hop, and then as it became, this is my if I remember correctly, as it as it became kind of uh, um. Uh, let me think about this, <laughs> because I think our uh, the cross Canada thing was called music hop you know every every day of the week it, it was a, a show from somewhere else across Canada okay. Ours was um, obviously from Vancouver and I think ours was called uh, was called let's go and they decided to change all of them to let's go if I'm correct I believe that's you know
0: yeah okay. I found it interesting cuz you sang lots of different things like you sang a Grace Slick tune and Sugar and Spice and you did the tribute to the Everly Brothers and stuff and and of course uh, uh, Terry was on there at some point I guess that came
1: Yeah, he he um he became a guest I think well he was with that group um the Chessmen and uh and then uh got on and and he would do things like um Oh shoot! Uh, wild thing, he did yeah, a lot of those I kind did of see things. That. Yeah. There were a lot of fun, you know, kind of things at the time, and and he would do some of those things. Come on as a guest, and I and I. And then he kind of he became a little bit more regular. I think after a while, oh, you that's... know, I don't know because I was I I you know I had actually I, I actually quit.
0: <laughs> oh, did you? You quit the show?
1: Well, I did because. Um, it was just it was a very strange uh, i there was a strange relationship with the with the um uh producer of this show um you know i i and I had no idea it was a very you know i i don't like to talk badly like of anybody, an un-
0: uncomfortable but... an uncomfortable relationship
1: you know? yeah it really really was and and yeah. um I, I was supposed to sing on a show and I was singing, I think, What Now, My Love, or something by Cher, and, um, and he stopped everything. Have you ever been in love? And I said, well, yes, I am. And, oh, no, I had, I had a crush yeah. on, a, on a guy at the time, and, um, but it was just a crush. But, you know, when you're there and, uh, and I'm thinking, am I supposed to bring this person's name up? I've just got a crush, and I was yeah. heartbroken because he was married. You know, I'm a teenager,
0: Yeah,
1: and it was not really that big a thing but I didn't want to and he said you either tell me or or you're off the show oh and I stood there thinking I'm gonna lose this unless I tell him who this person is but Mm. that little sort of that little feistiness kind anyway so I was holding the script and I just crinkled you know scrunched it up and i threw it at the desk where he and uh where he was sitting and i said that's my business and Mm. i walked out and Mm. so i never appeared on it until somebody else took the other product the the production over and then i was back on it okay um um but you know but he was a very very strange man
0: yeah
1: (laughs) and uh you know, it, there were other things. Obviously, it wasn't yeah. just that. But
0: yeah, um, well, and then and then from the female perspective too, that there's, that that introduces a different element to it. Obviously, you're an attractive young woman, and and the the there could be some uncomfortableness surrounding that, and and some attention that you would get that was unwanted, perhaps.
1: I I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I really I really really don't know. I was too young to even. If there was something, Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize it because I was too young. I was too into music to even be into, well, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say that, you know, but I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't totally, um, I I wasn't worldly.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you were just a, you were a farm farm girl from saskatoon i guess is was oh yours.
1: heck i still had straw in my hair yeah you
0: you d- <laughs> <laughs> so then you were on another show too you were on the show where it's at with lulu so you got to meet lulu and and of course they make you lip sync i i, I watched the clip and uh, they, they put the song i guess to put the track on and then they make you lip sync with no microphone either so you just stand there and pretend that you're singing to the song
1: yeah um you know, I think that was a Poppy Family song. I think Terry insisted that always that we lip synced, yeah. And I hated it because I love to sing live. I love the stuff. Well, you know that as a singer, yeah. the yeah. stuff that comes out of you that is spontaneous, and it, it kind of pulls you further into the song, and and yeah. and you discover uh, so much more about the song and so much more about yourself. And, and I love to do that. I love to do live, but he never liked to do that. You know, we always lip sync. So it was pretty, uh, you know,
0: well, I mean, the audio guys like the lip sync too, because it's easier for them, but I mean, you're more than capable of doing that. That's, I guess the frustrating part say I could sing this right now quite easily and, and very well, but.
1: Yeah well well like i say because there was there's so much more than just opening your mouth and the music comes out yeah. you know there's there's all this stuff that that uh, you put, your heart that you put into it and and it you know i think yeah. that's why we were so successful in our live shows was because um i could just pour my ha- i mean I, I you know i don't have to go into a lot of detail but i was very 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 unhappy in in later poppy family days and my whole escape was getting on stage and just pouring my heart out to that audience and uh, it it was just such a connection that it's even hard to say but that was my safe place was was on stage and people felt that and and um you know and and of course that was so fulfilling for me and it was fulfilling for the audience as well so
0: and you got uh, to share share your emotions and your feelings with the world well that's a great uh, opportunity for me to take a break here i'm just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're going to talk about the poppy family and your experience with that so we'll be right back with susan jacks you can hear music from today's guests and other canadian musicians from the 60s to 80s every tuesday and thursday on dusty discs radio including one-hit wonders, regional favorites, songs from the top and bottom of the charts, TV show theme songs, commercials, and a news clip or two from back in the day. Listen online at DustyDiscsRadio.com or download the TuneIn radio app to your tablet or smartphone. Search Dusty Discs Radio and mark it a favorite. Now let's get back to our special guest. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Susan Jacks of the Poppy family and... Uh, Just before we went to break, we were talking about uh, the the Poppy Family Experience, and I wanted to ask you about that, because uh, that band was formed in the mid-60s, I assume, right? You met Terry on the TV shows, and then you uh, decided that there was something there that you could pursue?
1: Actually, that's not the way it happened.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let let me know.
1: Um, I had met Terry uh, on, I I think, only one show that uh, he was on. It was actually... Um, it was a British show. It was kind of a, a tribute to, to, uh, the, the British invasion kind of thing. And, um, you know, when there were several people on it and, and all singing these English songs, I had met Terry, but I never really talked to him. Okay. I, I only enough to say hi, but we never even said anything other than that. And, um. That was probably in the spring of 1966. And in, I, I believe it was in September, I believe, I was asked, I think it was September, I was asked to sing at, in Hope, at this Elks Club uh, meeting, uh, or, you know, something like that. And I needed to have somebody play guitar for me. I called everybody that I knew. But because I, you know, stupid, I left it to the last minute and um, everybody was busy. But one of my friends suggested, well, you know, Terry Jacks had a band called uh, The Chessmen, but it's not together anymore. You know, try and call him. Maybe he's free. Yeah. So I called him and he was free. So we worked up some songs, you know, with me singing uh, and uh, we did the thing. And that was it. You know, I mean, to me, it was just another gig. Yeah. Um, and then he had gotten this uh, idea to, or, or maybe it was, a, a I don't know, somehow he found out that in Quenelle, there was uh, a coffee house that, that wanted um, somebody to perform up there. So he said, well, well let, let's go up and do that. So we did. Actually, we did a couple of things. I think we did Quenelle and Prince George, two, two, two things. Yeah. Um, that was all. That's all we did.
0: Yeah.
1: And now in those days, uh, I was at, at the same time singing with other bands. Yes. And I was in a trio called um, – uh, oh, Susan. Oh, I just had a brain fade here. The Eternal Triangle. And it was with Howie Vickers and um, with Tom Northcott.
0: Yeah.
1: We had recorded – a song and we had done a few things on TV and you know on some some uh, all the TV shows those days you know there there were lots of them available and so we did quite a few things on there so yeah. this thing wasn't any big deal but but then uh because there were so many gigs available and of course that's how we all made our money unlike today there's just nowhere to play um yeah. and uh we decided, you know, I talked to Terry, and and we decided, well, let's get another guitar player in here, yeah, and uh, it'll give us more gigs to play, and so we we got uh, Craig McCaw in. We yeah. both we both knew Craig. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, real good player too. Like I, I got to meet Craig actually, oddly enough, after the Poppy family broke up, he went and he was teaching guitar. I think at Bill Lewis Guitars. Yeah. down on Broadway or something. And I went and took some lessons from him because I I wanted to. And he was a real good player, so I did get to meet Craig a number of times.
1: He is, and he's just an awesome guy. We're still very close friends now. Oh, nice. And uh, as well as Satwant, you know. Anyway, so we we played those gigs yeah. with with Craig, which kind of opened it up a bit. And um, and then we, we uh, decided that maybe it would be kind of exciting to get or neat to get some kind of percussion. At that point, I played all the percussion. I played two tambourines and I played ass jaw and, I, and you know uh, yeah. a bean pod and, and I, I, <laughs> I, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I even ended up playing a lot of that stuff on, on our recordings. Yeah. And um, I, I was pretty darn good, too. <laughs> yeah. oh, good I, mean, I, I had a good, I, I got in the groove and it was, it was pretty good. But we thought it would be kind of neat to get some kind. We didn't want full drums at that point. But just yeah. some kind of percussion. So Craig suggested that we bring in Satwant Singh, who was a tablet player. Yeah. And so he came in and, uh, you know, we t- tried him out and we liked it. Because yeah. it was just it was kind of fusion before fusion was.
0: Well, it was just yeah. a neat twist. It was just an, uh, just something different, you know. I, it remember, was. I remember seeing that and, and it stood out, you know, that this this person was playing this cool rhythm. He, of course, he was wearing a turban, so he was a full-on. I guess he was a Sikh, right? Obviously.
1: Oh yeah, yeah And and the truth is that Satwant was a classical tablet player. As a matter of fact, since the poppy family, he is now a world master. Mm. And he is—he studied with Ravi Shankar's uh, um, tabla player, and uh, in the, within the Sikh community, he is astounding. I mean, he is oh, so—he's cool. so revered. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, yeah, but back then it was more unusual, right? It was, it was, it was because right, you know
1: yeah. he was—he he thought, well, this is a piece of cake, but <laughs> you know because uh, uh, the complexity of playing. Tablets is unbelievable when you really, really get into it and really understand it. Now, of course, at the time, I didn't. It was just very cool sounding within what we were doing. And he had to really simplify what he was doing. But it really worked. And it it was such an unusual thing. And, of course, that was an attraction as far as live playing as well.
0: Yeah. So he toured with you. You did a bunch of shows with him live and whatnot as well.
1: Oh yeah, you know, and and our first album was done um, with the tablets and with Craig. Yeah. Um, sadly, Terry decided to get to let them go. Um, yeah. as soon as so, as soon as we got kind of famous
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of I was going to ask you about that, but so that album the, the album with which way you Going, Billy was they said was the first Vancouver record to sell a million copies. Where was that recorded? Was that done here?
1: It was done, some of it was done here, some of it was done in England. Okay. And, um, which was a fascinating experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it really, really was. But, you know, the nice thing about that album, and it's almost, um, um, you know, an iconic album for uh, f- uh, from that time, and I think Absolutely. the reason one of the reasons was because even to this day, people are going, Holy crap! I mean, what an album! But the, the most, the greatest thing about it was that we were all so into everything musically, there was nobody kind of. Telling anybody what to do or what not to do, we went into it and put our creativity into it uh, equally. And so,
0: you, uh, Terry, produced it, and you all went into the studio together and worked on it together.
1: We did. Now, Terry, yeah, Terry did produce it, but we were all involved in it. I mean, he, you know, he that way. Terry didn't have hardly any experience in production either. None of us did. Yeah, um, but we ended up being a part of. Well, I certainly did being a, a, a huge part of the production, um, nice. because um, you know when you you put all your minds together and stuff, and and like I say, without without um, anybody kind of cracking a whip, it was everybody just put their creativity together, and that's what came out with the with yeah. the album. And um, that's what I think made it magical, as as I think it does with any group. But sadly, yeah. sometimes, and oftentimes, in a group, something happens. E- yeah. Egos, or something happens, and um, you yeah, know. It's,
0: it's sad. I guess you know it's such an iconic album, and your voice really comes across well. I was going to ask you about which way you are going, Billy. Did you was that the designated single, or did that just? Sort of emerge from the package of tunes that just became this iconic song that everybody.
1: No, that was that was um, uh, we had recorded a couple of singles before before uh, Billy, and um, uh, it was Beyond the Clouds and What Can the Matter Be. Yeah, and they did they did pretty well, and um, when we recorded Which Way You Billy. We tried to sell that. We went down to L.A. and tried to sell it. Nobody wanted to sell Wow. <laughs> so we came back and decided to release it because we had released um, the first two. We had actually leased those to London Records. So they said, yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll release Which Way Are You Going, Billy? And so they released it. And okay. um, it was after that we signed... Um, a contract with them and, and they sent us to, to London, but we had recorded some other songs as well. Okay.
0: And okay. So that was a single before the album was actually done then?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, It right. wasn't until after we signed the deal with London that, that, uh, um, that we recorded the album.
0: I wondered about that because I looked at, there was a couple different record labels. I guess you can do a lease deal. So were you involved in the business at all or the songwriting? Did you get songwriting credits back then or, or, integral part of the business or were you kind of on I was, sideline?
1: I was not allowed. Hmm. I was not allowed. Um, um, Terry eventually, you know, took over everything. And, hmm. um, and I told him I felt, um, you know, I felt like I didn't know enough. I didn't know how much money we had. I didn't know where it came from. I didn't yeah. know the ins and outs of the business. And I wanted to know. Yeah, and he would not allow me. Hmm. Uh, I I was a little, uh, more than a little dominated, and yeah. a- at that time, um, I just felt, oh he's my husband. He'll look after me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, But I was not allowed to get into it, so it it was frustrating. Um, but you know, and I wasn't I wasn't involved in decision making or anything i mean we, terry turned down the the ed sullivan show and i was devastated because yeah. i grew up thinking if you got on the ed sullivan show because ed sullivan chose who he want on wanted on that show yeah and if you were chosen to go on that show it was like
0: that was mean, a big deal. that was the I, bomb right that was the-
1: that was your the bomb i mean you know that was it and he turned yeah. it down Wow. and um I was devastated. I thought who in the right mind would turn it down
0: Yeah. and,
1: and uh you and know course, I,
0: to put it in perspective here you're you're barely twenty years old right you're twenty twenty one I was twenty yes old. yes yeah that's wow looking back and you're thinking <laughs> if I knew then what I know now
1: oh man well I didn't find out until after he'd turned it down wow. so there's nothing I could do about it. But I mean, yeah. but, but I was just, holy crap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, anybody that is in music, I mean, heck, once the Beatles hit, uh, yeah. they, they, they just made it, they just broke through in America once yeah. they did the Ed Sullivan show. And yeah. everybody, everybody knew that once you did, you know, I don't know whether it was a fear of success on his part, I mean, like that kind of a success, because he had all the control of the Poppy family at that point, everybody at that point. And I don't think that that was something that he wanted to let go, because I think that there would have been changes. I do, I believe that there would have been changes. And, um, well, and as it turned out, that was just, we went over to do, to play in Japan, to play at the expo in Japan. And, um, and I didn't know this either, but um, after that gig was over in Japan, he fired um, Craig and Satwa. I had no idea. Yeah. I was. And so
0: why did he, why did he do it? Did you get an explanation?
1: No. Oh. No, so I you- think, I think, well, and I found out so many things that. Um, after the fact you know um like they were he was paying them as side musicians but i did not know that and to Mm. me they were so much a part of the thing you know they were side musicians but i mean we do we do gigs and those guys would be they'd have to do all the setups and all the takedowns yeah but they weren't paid for it they were just paid you know as side musicians and I always thought you know because I would just you know i I wouldn't be involved in that part, so I would go back I would go to the hotel and sometimes we'd have um, interviews or something to do yeah. but but Terry didn't set up either. He just left those two guys to do all the yeah. setup and all that kind of stuff and so I, I all these things I found out later, and when they were gone i I remember. Uh, they were staying in some place. Uh, I guess we were staying in another, I don't know, when we were driving away and I looked back in the rear view mirror and they were standing there and I was in tears yeah. because, because they were m- my friends. And uh, when we played on, on stage, Craig and Satwant and I had this magic that was so, we were so locked in musically. and it was it was devastating to me because that's you know what what I was totally. You know, yeah. well, I think, into.
0: I think that's right, and also you bond with people, right? They become your friends, and and that's you. You talk about your safe zone, but your safe zone are the people you bond with and that you feel comfortable with, and you have that sort of confidence and that strut when you get on stage because those are your guys, right? That's your band.
1: They are, and they responded like because I was so deeply into these songs, and they responded. You know, no. they 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 totally um, they just. We're totally into it as well. So yeah. it made it magical, you know. So yeah. I missed it when they were gone. I so, certainly, certainly did.
0: So you kept on with that You did the Poppy Seeds album, I guess. So that when you did Good Friends, which is a song I love, but that was in 72 now we're talking. So that was you and Terry and you had a studio band that recorded after that?
1: yeah after that that first album terry didn't ever he, he didn't record he didn't play guitar anymore well he had ter- terrible timing yeah. <laughs> you know i mean he you know bless his heart he was on stage he just kind of chunked away on guitar and it, it kind of it at, at the beginning it it um uh, that rhythm and that hard You know, chunk, chunk Kind of took the place of, of uh, percussion Right And whatever But he was never a master musician Never played lead or anything That's why we had to bring uh, Craig in Because we needed somebody to play lead And um, so once Craig And uh, Satwant Well, we did bring Satwant in To play on a couple of songs And um, because of the the sound was still kind of neat and we were still called the poppy family but the only part of the poppy family really that was there was me and terry was recording his own solo songs i could never understand i thought well let me do my thing
0: yeah
1: and then and because you're doing your thing yeah (laughs) but he was he was never into that so Hmm. um um, well, there's been
0: lots of stories of of Terry Jags and what he was like and whatnot and I, I a lot of it is rumor and whatnot. but I mean, you were right there. so you had the, all this great stuff going on and the poppy family splits up and your marriage ends and so your your life must have changed drastically during that time, like within that sort of two year period
1: well it 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 did change um, when i I had been thinking about leaving because um, I mean, the emotional abuse was astounding, mm-hmm. astounding, yeah. and I didn't know how to handle it. Um, I, I felt I was dying yeah. inside. So when I, uh, I finally made the choice, and I left. Yeah, and it was, uh, and that whole thing was was because when I left, I felt. I was leaving this career. That, I mean, we had built the Poppy family together. We had built the everything together, yeah. you know, together. Yeah. It was together. And and when I left, I – I and I had no idea about the business because I was not allowed to know, mm-hmm. and I found out later why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but – so during that time, it was like I had to learn on the fly, and I made some drastic mistakes. Yeah. I, I, I trusted entirely the wrong people, but, but because I was panicked, what do I do? And there are, you know, in this business, sadly, there are always people just sitting there waiting for people like me.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's what I thought too. You know, you get, you got the personal part of it, then you've got the business part of it, and they're sort of intertwined in a way that's not going to be easy to sort out. So you're, you're splitting up.
1: It was, oh, it was awful. It was just awful, and yet. Here I was, and all I wanted to do was sing. That's all yeah. I wanted to do. I didn't want to screw anybody out of anything. I didn't want to, uh, as a matter of fact, I gave up things more than I thought because, uh, you know, I, I ended up being totally uh, <laughs> screwed. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I, I, you know, I was trying to be as, you know, as, 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 a good person. I was just trying to get through and continue my career and and sing. I just wanted to sing. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was really, really difficult for, for a while. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of uh, stories that reflect that same sentiment where you're trying to be nice and you're being taken advantage of. You're, you're in a sort of a, a whirlpool that you can't control and you're kind of in the center of it. We need to leave it here, but check out the next episode for the second half of my chat with the one and only Susan Jacks. Catch you then.